This morning's scripture reading is from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 2, verses 23 through to chapter 3, verse 6. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathiah, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Mark chapter 3, verse 1. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. This is God's word. I think everyone is looking in life to replicate that full, satisfactory exhale. Not the lazy sigh that hasn't even worked, right? The, uh, that kind of sigh, right? Laying on the couch, nothing to do. Nor the still nervous sigh, still in the middle, smack in the middle of all the work that still needs doing. I call that the, the motorboat sigh, the right? Not that sigh, but that full satisfactory exhale in which some great work has been done and one can rest satisfied in the appreciation of its full completion, right? That, that deep breath, a <sighs> little bit of a grin, satisfied. Right? It's also very popular in overseas cola commercials, right? The <laughs> ah, refreshment kind of exhale. That's what we want. That's why it's in those commercials, because it transcends language. That's right. Uh, you texted in some moments, and I'm very appreciative of this, but before the service, I got a few of them here. Moments of satisfaction at the end of work completed as experienced in your own life. Here are a few examples I received. One was, I'll just deal with the most recent one here, my moment of satisfaction when I finish restoring my paddleboard. So it's not yet there. This person's still in a moment of, obviously, the motorboat side. The, oh, what's it going to get done? There's another one. Working with my child, volunteering in their class this week. I was sweating by the end of it, but finally got in my car, turned on the AC, and, ah, I... I Felt like I accomplished something. Very good. Okay. Let me get another one here. My work 
has me traveling a lot. And after working hard, traveling, that moment when I arrive home to my family, very good, resting satisfied. One more here. Um, I feel like my work never stops. Okay, well, (laughs) this message is for you then this morning, I guess, which is pretty actually appropriate. (laughs) Work is, is something that we are designed for. We're designed to do it even before sin, rebellion, came into play to this world. In fact, we were designed, God designed us to replicate work like Him, enjoy work like Him, and finish work like Him at rest with a full, satisfactory exhale at a job well done. He's created us for this. He dedicated, in fact, an entire day to finding satisfaction in one's work. It is called the Sabbath. And it, this day is the point of contention in today's story. My ultimate hope, and I believe God's ultimate desire through these two Sabbath stories in Mark's Gospel, is for your satisfaction. Your satisfaction. That's good news, right? So I'm hoping this morning, praying this morning, that you will find satisfaction with God's work through us, first of all. Satisfaction with God's work through us. Second, that you will find satisfaction with God's work for us. Actually, the third one is find satisfaction with God Himself. So, find satisfaction with God's work through us, for us, and finally, satisfaction with God Himself. First, satisfaction with God's work through us, through you. The Sabbath is also referred to in the Old Testament, New Testament, and still today as a day of rest. But both in the etymology of that word and in its usage in the Bible, it suggests something that prevents rest. It's a little more nuanced than just the rest of what we might think of it. It prevents rest from being thought of or confused as sleep or sloth. Right, that's not what that kind of rest means here in the Bible. Let's look at the origin of this idea of the day of rest, the Sabbath, in Genesis chapter 2. God has just spent six days creating. Six days creating. Day number one, light, darkness. Day number two, sky. Day number three, land, vegetation, bodies of water. Day number four, planets and stars. Day number five, animals. Day number six, mankind. When it was all done, he called it Very good. Very good. Genesis 2, verses 2 through 3. On the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. And so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. My belief is that contained in these verses is something that Bible scholars call an inclusio. It's the idea that there are the same words and ideas at both the beginning and the end of a paragraph or of a sentence or of a thought. That that bracket, that highlight, that draw out the middle, the middle part. So you have the same idea here, same words. Same idea, same words at the end, to sort of, they bracket, they bring out what's in the middle. They highlight what's in the middle. All right, it's the Bible's version of an Oreo cookie. All right, right, the the bracketed, 
by a goodness on one side, cookie goodness on the other, highlighting the goodness in the middle, lard, which Nabisco calls cream filling. <laughs> but it's so good. You just love, you love it. And it's double stuff, it's double the fun, right? So we have here this sort of great double stuffed inclusio here in Genesis chapter 2. Let me take you through it here. On the outside, finished work done. You see that up on the screen. It's highlighted there for you. You also see rested work done. And in the middle, the filling, blessed, made holy. This day, blessed, made holy. Made holy can also mean set apart. In other words, it's set apart from the typical days of the work week set apart from typical life, blessed and set apart. And then finally, the end, the other side of the bracket, rested, work done. So two things are happening here. First, we see this connection between resting and done and finished work. Secondly, this connection is so special that God says He sets apart a special day for it, through which he wishes to communicate blessing, extra goodness to you. So, the Sabbath doesn't equate to sleep or sloth, but satisfaction. Satisfaction. We see this, number one, because set-apart goodness proceeds from resting in done or finished work. It's an inseparable triad. You take away the finished work, and it's not as satisfactory. Right? You take away the rest, you have no time to enjoy it. Right? You take away one piece, and it just doesn't quite work. Number two, God neither sleeps nor sloths. So when God here rests on the seventh day, it's not the sort of like he just falls asleep and takes a nap. As we read earlier in Psalm 121. He neither sleeps nor slumbers, which is a great comfort, right? God is always working all things for the good of those who love him. He's always at work for you. Thirdly, the author here uses the ordinary word for human work, not the typical word used in the Hebrew for divine activity. He purposely uses a human kind of work, suggesting that this full day isn't just rest for God, but for all mankind. Fourthly, it's the seventh day. Which is an easy detail to overlook here in this little couple verses, right? Seventh day. God means for us to be satisfied at the end of work well done as reward, not as a signing bonus on the first day, or as some type of intermission between days three and day four, right? Let's take a break, catch our breath, keep going. Seventh day, at the end of work Well done, to be satisfied with it. We're created to work, and at both grand and many conclusions to that work, to rest satisfied in it. We do our best and most satisfying work, though, when it is God working with and through us. I would love to get into this fully this morning. Our best, most lasting and satisfying work, I actually did a sermon on this back in August during our series on paradoxes of the Christian faith. You can go back if you want and look at that. Work through welfare, it was called. But this morning, 
just going to give you a couple verses about God working through us and how good that work is. First Colossians 1, 28-29, where Paul says, Christ we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we might present everyone mature in Christ. This was Paul's calling, his job in life. So he says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So there's this tension between him working hard, but recognizing that the struggle isn't with his own energy, but with God's energy as he powerfully works in and through him. Radically reliant on God to do the work through him as he works. Similarly, this tension is seen in 1 Corinthians 15, 9-10. Paul essentially says, hey, I am the hardest working of all the apostles. All right, he says this this way, uh, 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of the other apostles. Which sounds like a boastful comment. Until he says, though it wasn't I, but the grace of God that was within me. That empowering love of God working in him and through him helps him work hard. So there's this tension. Does God's work and his grace excuse you from doing hard work? No, you work hard. You're just more radically reliant on him working through you, which helps you enjoy the work more, do it more satisfactorily, and do it in a sense of rest. Again, more on that in a previous sermon. Don't have time this morning. God set apart the end of the week for a full day to take that satisfactory exhale for work well done. Do you do this? Do you take a day? We read last week in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, it doesn't have to be a specific day, nor exactly 24 hours, and don't let anyone else tell you different. All right? You are not better with God, earning more points with God, and more favor with God by taking a specific day. But having the same day does help us in our weakness as human beings. Because we tend to make any excuse, right, to not and never stop working. Plus, there's something that starts to get a bit thin about our life, a bit stretched. We almost start to seem less human to others on day seven, day eight. Day 9, day 10, without any kind of break. While it doesn't have to be a full day, I would recommend one to avoid same-day worries. When bracketed by sleep on both sides, it's easier to do what Jesus says about letting tomorrow's worries take care of themselves. You can do that when you have sleep on both sides. It's like this extra buffer. So firstly, do you take a day? Secondly, taking about a day, about once a week, expresses tangible trust in God. It's a way for you to show that you really trust Jesus Christ with your life. As an outworking of this principle in creation, God in His law asked people to let their land, let their land upon which they completely depended for income in an agricultural society, to let their land lie fallow or unused Once every seven years. So for one year every seven years, you said, nope, not going to reap crops, not going to sow, just going to let it lie. you imagine that? What are we going to (laughs) do? Similarly, he called his people to forgive all debt 
and give back all land once every 49 years, seven times seven. The 50th year being the so-called year of Jubilee. But wait a minute. I got that land fair and square. That person owed me money. I, 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 I was going to give it all back. Again, opportunity to trust God. These were the means by which God meant to show his people goodness. That he could be trusted to be at work even when they rested from it and freed others from slavery to it. Do you have that kind of miraculous margin in your life? That kind of margin in your life where you can rest satisfied, having worked hard, radically trusting for God to continue the work, to multiply the results, to produce even while you aren't. Do you have that in your life? It's an act of trust. My second hope for you this morning is that you find satisfaction in God's work for us. It's only God's work through us. Work is good. We're called to rest from it, to get that exhale at the end of it. Find satisfaction in God's work for us. What makes our work categorically different from God's is that our work is partially cursed. Our work is partially cursed. We're told later in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, God said to Adam, the first man, because you've listened to the voice of your wife, have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you, and pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Mankind rebels against God. He's punished with death. The specific fruit of which is you will find frustration with your work. This might be with the work itself, the amount of work, the demands of work. You know this today, demands of work created by globalization. Work can be outsourced almost anywhere now. Keeping up with competition. The people with whom you work, co-workers, employers, employees, bosses, two-year-olds, if you work with them. Not to suggest your boss acts like a two-year-old. That might be true as well. But actual two-year-olds, for those of you who work with kids all day long, be mostly self-inflicted frustration, procrastination, cutting corners, being too controlling, in your work, lack of patience, lack of faith, a figure you get wrong, a memo you ignore, a misplaced word at a meeting, a mountain response to a colleague's molehill mistake, create frustration. This will not change no matter how hard you work nor the job. That's why the author makes sure to include in verse 17, all the days of your life. So with this frustration, what the Pharisees, this Jewish sect called the Pharisees, tried to do was to help with this frustration. They tried to help with this insatiable need to keep working for satisfaction. So they narrowly defined the rest required. This day of rest through which they could access God's goodness. See, we need to actually do this day of rest better. Because people are just working harder in life. So they tried to find ways to define what this day of rest should really look like. 
Remember a couple weeks ago, we learned that the Pharisees were actually the common man's Judaism. Leaders called scribes sought to take obscure and seemingly outdated laws and make them intelligible, interpretable for the common man, applicable for the common man and woman. So when the Pharisees object about Jesus' disciples walking through the grain fields, and in verse 24 say, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? They are referring to one of their laws that was meant to help people keep the Sabbath. It was meant to help people obey God in the Sabbath and get the rest they were supposed to, which could usher in God's goodness and His blessing. Walking any more than 1,999 paces was considered a journey and thus not restful, and it broke the Sabbath. That was one of their laws. So you had to be careful. 1,999 paces. Stop. <laughs> right? Bad news if you're stranded somewhere. Right on the side of the road, or your, your, your donkey's lame. You know, you're just stuck. <laughs> Snatching grain from a neighbor's field, which the disciples do here as well, was actually considered lawful according to Deuteronomy 23.25, but not on the Sabbath. That's work, according to the Pharisaical law. So even though God's law says, yeah, go ahead, enjoy the grain in a neighbor's field, even. People complain about God's law. That's a great deal. Not on the Sabbath. It's work. You have to actually pick and eat. Like the Pharisees created 39, 39 not laws, 39 categories of laws, categories of work that broke the Sabbath. 39 categories, thus making getting rest harder work than actually the work itself. We observe the Pharisees also in chapter 3 here spying on Jesus to see if he would heal on the Sabbath because their law stated that only necessary work could be done on the Sabbath day. Only necessary work. Namely, if life is threatened. If your life is threatened, you can work. But this man has only a withered hand. That's not life-threatening. Their application, which turned into law, was that, actually, I'm going to read this quote, they may not strengthen a deformed body nor set a broken limb. That's pretty much what Jesus does here, right, in this healing of this man which is incredibly ironic that Jesus has just identified himself as the great physician. There is one here to heal and to give goodness that actually changes your life. But no, we've got to stick to this law. Jesus reminds the Pharisees, through the Sabbath, God means to communicate goodness, not harm. Salvation, not a slow and painful death. Restoration, right, we see in chapter 3. Indeed, it was created for man, not man to serve it. Just like he does already with his work. As it is, we're always in such danger of being a slave to our work. Letting it run our lives. This was no different then. Why would we do so with our rest? It's meant for goodness. The goodness of God to be communicated into our lives. That's the bigger picture here in these two passages, which can get lost in all the different laws and the hostility and the accusations and the questions. Jesus loves the Sabbath because through rest, 
God means to communicate his goodness, his love, his restoration, his healing. Like the Pharisees, we too try to find solutions for the frustration of perpetually unsatisfying work. We try to find solutions for it. Most of our solutions are mostly self-centered and self-reliant. Some version of self-reliance, like you work harder, you work smarter, maybe you cheat, maybe you crush others to get ahead, to retire earlier, to vacation longer, to accrue more days off. What is that book that talks about working your work week being like two days or something like that. I don't know what it is. Or work five hours per week. There's books about this. We want that. It's a bestseller. Why? Because I want to work less. I want to do whatever it takes to shorten my work. Whatever we do, it never satisfies. We become self-reliant even though you are not the most reliable worker in your life or for your life. About a year ago this time, we were working our way through the Old Testament book of Joshua. We called it Joshua and Generation Next. About young people, a young generation, trying to walk into God's promises. In their case, a promised land. God promised this land. It was there for the taking. He said, here it is. This is your property, your land. I'm giving it to you. But God's young generation had to step out and actually seize it. People were on it. God said, hey... I'm giving it to you, but you have to trust me enough to step out and take it. And that was hard work. It took a lot of faith. At the same time, God did it. And it was a great picture of God working with and through us. On the one hand, totally relying upon Him, but also as we work, as we step out every day in faith. Towards the end of the book, Joshua 21, verse 23 through 25. Here's what we read. It'll be up on the screen for you if you wish to look. Thus, the Lord gave to Israel, He gave to God's people all the land He swore to give to their fathers. They took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as He has sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed, all came to pass. Rest on every side. They were experiencing the fullness of the Sabbath, the fullness of the goodness of God communicated through this promise. There's a lesson for us here, friends. First of all, in Christ, we have rest on every side. If you've trusted your life to Jesus, we are told that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. No enemy, whether that enemy be death, sword, famine, certainly Satan. Nothing can separate you from that. In Christ, we have rest on every side. So we can always say, what's the worst that can happen to me? Second, we see from this passage the wisdom of including in your Sabbath rest sort of reflective satisfaction in the victorious work of God. Salvation from every enemy. God has achieved victory in our life in so many different ways. The importance of using rest to reflect back on the victories He's accomplished in our lives. Also the wisdom to include in our Sabbath rest, reflective satisfaction in all of God's promises kept. Right? It says here in Joshua, 
all of them were kept. All came to pass. I would suggest that if your work remains mostly unsatisfying, it might be because you're making too much out of your own work and not enough of the greater work being done in and through and for your life in Jesus Christ. Those promises in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That he wills and he works always according to his good purpose for your life. He's always at work. Taking time to celebrate that work. He is the greater worker in our life. What are some practical ways you can rest, but specifically rest satisfied in his victories achieved and promises kept? We're going to close here. Give you some, just some ideas. Take some time for avocational activity. Av, what, 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 what is that? Avocational activity. An avocation is something that's not your regular work. That's not what you normally do six hours, a, you know, sorry, uh, six days a week, nine hours a day, eight hours a day, whatever it is. It's something that brings you joy, but also requires some intentionality, some structure, some planning for your rest. Have you ever tried to rest without having rested before, and you just work, 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 you don't have any structure, you'll find it's actually hard to rest. You're thinking, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. And then all of a sudden, your day is gone. Like, ah! So here's some ideas for avocational activity. Uh, Contemplative rest. Have a moment in your day of rest to just look back on what God's done, to, to, to pray, to read His Word, to worship Him, to journal. Actually, Every day from my day of rest, I grab my journal and I reflect back on the last month just to see what God's been speaking to me and doing in my life. Maybe to see patterns of what he might be saying and doing. It's a great time just to do that, to thank him, to celebrate what he's done. Also look back at how he might be leading me going forward. Recreational rest. Refreshing recreation. Not, you know, overly exerting yourself, which has caused you to be tired for the rest of the day, you know. Your day of rest likely should not be the final training you do for a tough mutter. Bike riding, that, <laughs> that kind of thing. Snorkeling. I don't know. Do try to get outside on your day of rest, though, if possible. I find that if you stay at home, trying to rest only at home, you just end up working. Do try to get out. Uh, another kind of rest that can be planned rest is aesthetic rest. Exposing yourself to the works of God, God's creation you find beautiful. That might be outdoor things. It might be creation. But it also might be art. right? Music. Drama. Visual arts. Um, things of that. Or comedic arts. God made everything very good. So it's good to appreciate those things. So take some time for avocational activity. Secondly, many Sabbaths. These are huge. It's very difficult to downshift for a full day of rest if you never do so days one through six, if you're just always working, working, working until sleep. So take many Sabbaths when you can grab them during your day. And I understand for some of us that's more difficult, but it's especially the case for young parents who may not get a full day of rest when your kids are young. You take many Sabbaths when you can. So to walk to lunch as much as possible. To grab a moment to thank God for his work in, through, and for you. Walk to lunch instead of drive. 
All right, refuse the working lunch. Just refuse it. Say, you know, I'm going to go for, I'm going to try this month, no working lunches. See how that works. Great a boundary there. Um, I know someone who incorporates into their day two trips to the roof of their office building to take a lap and remember what they read in the Bible that morning. They just think about what they read in the Bible that morning. God's promise to them. Thank you, Lord. Okay, they just take a lap. That's great. Uh, I have a friend who uses a particular uh, stoplight on the way home from work to stop, cast all his anxieties upon him, upon Jesus, and leave his work there at that stoplight. So I think it's just a great visual marker to spend the rest of his both car ride home and his evening as a Sabbath. Right? I'm going to leave work here. Lord, all my anxieties. You're at work. I can trust you to be at work even when I'm not. One Disney show per day for your kids. But not to catch up on dishes or emails, but for a cup of tea and a psalm on the porch. Right? So oftentimes, you put, you put, you put that DVD on, turn it to Disney. Moms, you know this, but you're catching up on other things around the house, emails, Facebook, whatever. Just for a cup of tea. A psalm on the porch. Enjoy that. Dinners as a family are a great chance to reflect back and find satisfaction in what God's been doing in the work of your day. But you got to get all be there and, and actually have that dinner. Our family actually keeps a, an, an answered prayer jar on our table. I think I put a, put a picture up there of it real quick. This idea of just taking time to thank God for what He's done. Um, as a church body, we're going to take a break from the norm and take a kind of Sabbath from our Sabbath, if you will. Uh, in a few weeks, on December 1st, we're going to have a Reflect 2013 service. Very excited about that. We'll have opportunity to share testimonies of what God's been doing in our lives and our work throughout the year. Step back, rest, reflect back, thank Him, celebrate Him in our lives. That's going to be great. So look forward to that and be thinking about that. I'll encourage you, brainstorm more ideas about this in your community groups this week. Here's just a few other ideas real quick. Treat holidays, vacations, and trips as longer Sabbaths, not just vacations from Jesus. One last thing here. Take time to do nothing productive but just be with Jesus. Moments to acknowledge that the I am is with you. Even as you just sit and breathe and do nothing. That's where our story began this morning, by the way. When the disciples of Jesus walking through the grain fields to nowhere in particular, right? Casually picking grains like figs or blackberries along the way. Just being with Jesus. That's the glory. The glory of this scene is that if it had gone uninterrupted, it would have been the perfect kind of rest, satisfaction with God Himself, the Bridegroom Himself. Just being with the Son of Man who is the Lord of the Sabbath is enough. He who alone can give you rest because He is our rest. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we read this passage, it would be easy in all the conflict and all the questions and all the turmoil that's going on around this passage to miss the heart of why you give us through a day of rest your goodness, your salvation, your healing, your restoration, your rest, yourself. I think of what 
St. Augustine once said, that our, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Father, help us dial down, scale back, downshift as needed in our lives. Where needed, Lord, to get that margin in our life to trust you, to trust you to work, and to celebrate and find satisfaction in the greater worker and the greater work going on in our lives, the work that you're achieving. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.